Hmm. I'm present. There's Gerald, and we're going to have a special guest on today. Hmm. Yeah, I saw the message. Open or get it set up. Gotcha. There's Evan. What's up? Won't yet. Uh, there. Not too much. Hello. 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 Everybody, welcome the wife Christy to the show. She's joining us today. Hello, wife Christy. That's an odd name, Wife Christy. It used to be Scary Wife, but <laughs> no longer scary. Oh. Any wife that's not being scary to her husband isn't wifing right. Yeah, well, uh, this wife lost 130 pounds, and now she's just a skinny white bitch, so. Oh, so uh, normally, so here's where I say uh, welcome everybody to the Gaming Sessions podcast. I am David, a.k.a. Vincent DB82. We have the neighbor down the street from a town over, Evan, and of course my co-host. Yup, Gerald, aka Suki Node, aka Kav, aka that guy down the street looking at you through a sniper rifle. I mean, <laughs> many aliases. Right. And uh, then we also Hi. have Christy. And the sniper AKA. rifle was a misunderstanding, I swear. Right. Oh no, Gerald, it's completely okay. Right. And um, of course we have uh, Christy, aka Scary Wife. That's her that's her actual gamer tag. Hello all, welcome to the podcast. I'm so delighted to be able to join you gentlemen today. Oh shit, who do we have now? Nobody. Crit. And we have this... Crit. The dead do wait. It'll be a full cast today, I guess. Uh, so, like anything, it. anything interesting happened to anybody this week? Uh, Christy might want to go first because she just got called a skinny white bitch about twenty minutes ago. Hi. <laughs> um. So yeah, I don't know if you all know. I used to be very, very large. I weighed two hundred and seventy pounds, and. <sighs> Thanks to C. diff and a bunch of other crap, I now weigh 140, so I'm down 130 pounds. It says it's trying to reconnect. Yeah, it does uh, that. I can still hear you. Yeah, we yeah. hear you. Oh, yeah. okay. So, yeah, I'm now... I'm just waiting for you to lead up to when you tell us about <laughs> how you're modeling now, and we're going to like see you in bikini shots and all that. Oh, God, that will never happen. I will only accept this if if uh, David is also in bikini shots. Mm -hmm. So that could happen. It it is only acceptable if that happens as well. It really is. Come on, Christy, don't pretend David's not doesn't already have the mankini stored somewhere for just this occasion. <laughs> no, I use a fundoshi. Thank you. <clears throat> <laughs> we could get him to do it. Um, but yeah, so our neighbor next door, we share a wall. We live in a townhouse and we have a townhouse next to us. And I woke up this morning at 3.30 to gangster rap being played so loud. It was vibrating the ball. 
And this is a situation that has happened like quite a few times, but I'm just damn, too damn polite to like knock on the door and be like, bitch, turn it off. So um, I guess her boyfriend, I'm going to call him Charles Stevie. <laughs> I want to call him Two Chains, but I can't because that's already taken. And, um, we're gonna no no, no. Really we're gonna not, call him Ike. Well, Ike. I'm really not trying to offend anyone. <laughs> oh no, that's exactly what this is for. But the boyfriend was very very <laughs> nice, and I was like, could you just please ask her from like 12 a.m. to 9 a.m. to play like really thumping rap music? It's like yeah, I got you. I got you. We good. And then she came out. Wearing, I don't know, like a multicolored wig <laughs> that you could tell she probably got from Craigslist or something. And wait, wait, I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting, but so you're saying your neighbor is a clown? <laughs> sorry, um, that's that's polite way to put it. Well, you said she came out wearing a multicolored wig. That's what clowns do. <laughs> <laughs> she clowning well and as I was walking away she's like fuck that skinny white bitch I'm like totally excuse me I'm sorry are you kidding right. me so this is less Ike and Tina Turner and more Amber and Johnny Depp yeah, you can put it that way more uh, <laughs> well, much Amber and Johnny, it's a uh, bad neighbor. And I've been very slight. I'm very sweet. I'm very nice. But you fought is... with that one side of me. I just want to bring out that ghetto bitch. Just hmm. saying. So, anything else ha interesting happened to anybody this week? Uh, I, I don't have a life this is the 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 adventures in my life are i got today off uh, i've been working Woo! uh 12 six or six twelves mm. for the last three or four weeks mm. well you that's got a like job 50 so. hours a week you got a and, job that's something to be thankful for it's the you know the long hours suck i a job uh, is never something to be thankful for. You have money to pay your bills. That's <laughs> what you're thankful for. You're not okay. thankful for the job unless you enjoy doing it. <laughs> let, let, let's be clear here. I have enough um, I have enough money or like I, it, uh, from my VA that I don't necessarily need the job. Right? I, I can pay my bills without that. But the job is so that we can get ahead, put some down money, get some money saved up for a down payment on, you know, getting out of Cherokee housing, that kind of thing. Oh, shit. So, I mean, I'm not doing too bad. All well, why don't you put on like a little leopard thong and like shake it on a bar? Uh, because. Hey. After working here for a couple 
weeks, uh, three, four weeks. I am down from 220 to to almost 200. Well, that's nothing to sneeze at either. True. You girls would find that completely sexy. That I lost a bunch of weight? Nope, but you don't have to. That's the thing about guys. Like, you guys don't understand, and I don't want to take over the podcast or anything. But... No, no, go ahead. <laughs> this, is, this is actually an interesting, this is actually a good discussion, actually, but continue. Girls don't necessarily want that rock hard body. We want, when we get a bed and we cuddle up, we want to feel comforted. And believe it or not, more go. More females go for the non-traditional type of sexy because it is exactly what you want, especially as a nerd girl. You don't want the narcissist. You don't want the rich guy. You don't want the, oh, let me pick out the wine. Let me order for you. Let me do this. It's more like you want that guy that says, don't order a salad, order whatever you want. And you can feel comfortable with doing that. And if you're comfortable with your body, and as long as you're comfortable with your body, you can go out there and you can do things you never thought you could do. I can agree with that to an extent. Um, but it also has to do with men and women look for different things in each other. That's a very big factor in it. That's very true. No, no, I don't think it comes down to gender at all, personally. It's individuals want what individuals want. We need to get rid of this idea that it's even that generalized. But it, it, there are commonalities, and you can't deny those commonalities. There are... Like, those commonalities say, are what we have been told by pop culture for as long as there's been pop culture. Well, no, <laughs> those commonalities come from instinct and thousands of years of development. It's not just pop culture. I'm not saying that it's not there's pop culture doesn't have a hand in it, especially nowadays since we're so bombarded by a lot of stuff. But no, there's an absolute reason why we have an instinctual attraction. Oh, no, this is historically features. and scientifically proven. It's all pop culture. Well, actually, that's not <laughs> it is literally yeah, yeah, all yeah. pop culture. It, it's yes, there is that factor of that too, but like our entire view of what we are generally told is generalized for both genders to be sexy actually comes entirely from pop culture. That's why now we're told that like super skinny girls are really, really hot. When back in the day, it's the big girls that were considered hot because that was showing that they actually had a decent like lifestyle. Well, no, that was always the case. This isn't a new thing. We were always told that super, super skinny girls were hot, even back in the Victorian age nope. and stuff. That's why they actually would just wear in the last hundred years that this really started to happen. Victorian age, yes, but before that, it was actually the big ones that were considered better. Well, no, no. What I'm stating Same is that me. your your argument has always been there. It, pop, the culture has always said super skinny, but men have always been naturally mm. attracted to thicker women. That is actually just in the last couple hundred years. What about them childbearing hips, though? Mm-hmm. 
There was well, I will do more research because I don't think that's completely true. Hold, but I will do more one. research. Okay. What uh, I have my hand raised. A lot of it. <laughs> okay. What about women that are attracted to bigger guys? There Same are thing. women that are that way. Yeah. Uh, here's I'm, where the whole the big thing is attractive thing comes from from a cultural standpoint. It shows that you're rich because you're able to get food. That was actually one thing. This is incidentally that, enough why guys were always able to have dad bods and it was never considered unattractive according to everything we've been taught and grown up with. So living in a very masculine dominant society. Okay, well, the dad bod just... means guys able to provide for the household. I don't mean to interject, but sorry, not sorry. Um, <laughs> to be honest, David in most cultures would not be attractive. He's bald. He's Very hairy. Um, <laughs> kind of looks like he should be driving a van that says free teddy bears, free candy, free hugs. But he's one of the best people I know. And I know when I get an anxiety attack, I can go and lay next to him and my heart beats the same beat with him. So I, I don't think it's so much stereotypes as it is people are afraid to come forward and say, yes, I like this person or yes, I like this person. Yeah, that's yeah, but you're bringing whole... up what you as an individual are attracted to, not people as a group or what we're told to find attractive as a group. Well, that's why they created friends with benefits. You never have to meet them. You can what, just, I think um... what I think what Evan's Got trying up. to say is the heteronormative. Like we're where society tells us to be attracted to opposite sex. Whereas some people are attracted to same sex, some people can't decide what sex they are, well, things just, like that. Not necessarily heteronormative. I would just say leave the hetero, just say plain normative. We are told that a woman is supposed to have a super thin waist, big boobs, and a nice round bottom. And <laughs> really far more lately than originally, we were told that men are supposed to have like 0.1% body fat and showing off their, even though it's incredibly unhealthy. But even then, those things are fairly recent. It really wasn't until the last 150 to the last 200 years this became a thing, and it was all through pop culture, which pop culture itself is something that exists literally millennia longer than people think. Okay, Evan. But, it, but it's... Mm. All right, I now so. get what you're saying. So thank you for educating me because I didn't see it from that side. Hey, learning th learning things. That's what we like to do on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and I personally do not uh, agree with it because I've met too many skinny fucking girls and like t looking at TV and television. I'm just like, can you have a sandwich so I can, you know, maybe hug you without snapping you in half? <laughs> I mean, uh, I've done too many terrible things to skinny chicks to know to think that they're <laughs> fragile, but at the same time, I don't find them particularly attractive unless they actually are decent people uh but a, Same here. A, a point that i wanted to bring up while the the riot was going on uh 
there was a study done by I think it's University of Austin or Houston, one of them, that stated that there's an actual ratio uh, of hip to waist ratio that men are universally more attracted to. 36, 24, uh, 36. I don't remember what it was. It doesn't matter. Uh, I have. I would argue with that universal part. Yeah, me completely. too. Because Barbie, especially since it's actually impossible to make a scientific experiment or study that can tell you what it is universally. It, but it's I, not possible at all. I like his me thinking. So use... can we? I think he's Let's meaning majority. I think he's meaning majority or well, a higher percentage a commonality. You know. <sighs> Please continue. Uh, the, 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 the study basically boiled down to are men, uh, are more men ass men or tit men? And <laughs> it came down to the overwhelming majority of those in the study were attracted to that particular ratio of, of uh, hip to waist ratio. <clears throat> And with a small outlier in preferring breasts and other sizes and other races. See, the problem is that only tells us what, in theory, men in general would like in that culture, in that region, from the <laughs> what they get like. I don't. You go to a whole, you'll be surprised what, like, once you leave, like, just this country alone, go to another country, what is generally considered by most of the male populace to be the most attractive part of a female body or what a lot the majority of women say is the most attractive part of the male body and how they prefer it. It changes as soon as you like change your grouping. Well, right. I and mean, I don't remember if it was a regional study or if it was uh, the, how far out they reached. It's been years since I've read the study or the article. Well, I, I'm, I assume it was within that country's culture because of course it's going to span different categories if you go further into other cultures that have different social ideas as to what is attractive and not. Ooh, right. Look at those and, neck rings on that girl. I bet you they go all the way up. Right? Did you see the size of that disc in oh, her God. ear? Oh. Ooh. <laughs> Don't forget the lip rings. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, look at that lip ring that guy's got on. Don't act like there weren't some girls who thought that one old dude in Black Panther was hot. You know the one with the lip, with the whole <laughs> disc in the lip. <laughs> exactly. So, either way, I, no, go ahead. Continue, Crit. Uh, I, I think the point here is that the uh, individually we can suss out that you know culture is stupid. But collectively, there's a reason it's called culture. It's kind of a cult. Huh. So I'll go with that. Yeah, because my attraction goes all over the spectrum depending on how I feel that day. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of with you there. I would say certain women will definitely catch my eye faster than others physically, but the hottest woman in the world would be rejected for what is generally called the ugliest woman if they open their mouth and say something stupid. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, a bad personality can ruin it real quick. And does. Like, the whole point of looking physically attractive is to just get that first notice, but it's it's not gonna, it's not gonna get a ring on that finger. 
And if it does, then chances are that's that's you don't want the person who put the ring on that figure on that finger. Then mm, pretty much. Noah, uh, a lot of very horrible, toxic people who date other hor- people who are horrible, toxic in the same way they are, and they can't figure out where things have gone wrong. Mm. Well, that's kind of what we were talking about when it came to Johnny Death and Amber Heard. Because for, like, not that Johnny Depp is a terrible person, but for him, it was a drug addiction. He had really high highs with her, but the lows were constant and way worse. And he was just hanging on to get to that high again. So I was, I was like, yeah, that, that's a drug addiction. That's what that is. <laughs> well, love is, chemically speaking, one of the most addictive drugs known to man serotonin yeah. that's the bitch yeah i mean there's there's a reason for the rebound it's literally you just trying to like chase that drug after immediately after uh a relationship a long-term relationship is ended because you're looking for some kind of supplement in the meantime yeah it's called oh man release. i just need oh go ahead sorry <laughs> i was saying it's called a dopamine release it's where your serotonin levels go low but your dopamine goes high and dopamine is the hormone that makes you feel good. And it's literally a huge dump of dopamine in the system. And it just makes you feel really great. And you just want to go kiss that person no matter, you know, what the triggers are. And once you do it, you get right back into that cycle. Am I the you only? Got, you got any more of them cuddles? I'm looking yeah. for cuddles. I, I haven't had any. I need some. Yeah, I need like, some come on, come on, come on, come on man. I need that emotional validation. Come on, I need that emotional. I need that emotional something. I suck your dick. You guys are such assholes. I love it. Give me five dollar. I kiss you long time. <laughs> no, five dollar, five dollar. I love you long time. Love you long time. Well, five dollar. Just kind of reminds me, like there's like every time someone goes and interview and like actually does a project where they interview a lot of prostitutes. That's what they say. Like in reality, technically they're being paid for sex, but their job really is just being a faux girlfriend or therapist for them, basically. <laughs> Well, there's a reason why uh, escort services and, uh, well, some escort services do provide sex, but it's always up to the girls, but it's mostly for just to have that companion. And I remember watching a, I want to say documentary, but it wasn't really a documentary. It's like a, a small show segment that they did where there were these rich guys who would basically hire out these young, pretty girls just to have them there and they and yeah. they, they, there was no sex or anything involved it was just no. it's uh, a sugar baby yeah and either way the moral of the story is jeffrey epstein didn't kill himself exactly well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh are we are we taking back hey, long uh, we can't know that for sure we don't know <laughs> how flexible he is we don't know how long he can hold his breath if that was a fetish. We don't know if he can levitate. We don't know if he has the ability to levitate. We don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions. 
<laughs> to answer your question, David, I'm not putting bets down, but I'll be very surprised if she's still around by next week because they've already reported that she's on suicide watch. Uh-huh. I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> she, and she's the only one who didn't know. Like she's like, wait, why am I on suicide watch? You, it's okay. You're, <laughs> we, we let them know you will be. We're going to make sure you don't do it. But I wasn't thinking about doing. It. <laughs> right. She's becoming irrational. <laughs> Time to put her in a straitjacket. It's going to happen. Don't make any- us have to kill yourself. It, it might happen <laughs> any time now. <laughs> Dude, just give her a tampon. <laughs> All I'm saying is, if, like, they say somehow a gun snuff, if there's any kind of, like, suicide that involves destruction of the face, I ain't believing it at all. <laughs> well, you know, like, there was that one person who had information on Hillary that shot themselves in the back of the head twice. <clears throat> <laughs> it just makes me think about that one, that joke I love from uh, Mystery Men. Where it's like, what's her name? Is talking about the death of her father. He says they ruled it as an accident. They said he fell down an elevator shaft on top of a bunch of bullets. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always suspected foul play. Me too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so do you mind if I interrupt for a second? I'm good. Go ahead. Um, Gerald, are you there? Yes. Okay, thank you. That was the sexy radio voice I was waiting for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Anything else interesting happened to anybody this week? Um, not anything uh, I can really, not anything off the top of my head I can really think of. Yeah. I'm just anxiously awaiting Ghost of uh, Tsushima to come out so I can have a game to obsess over again after I finish The Last of Us Part 2. Mm. <laughs> okay, right. I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to go back I wa- to watching the Adam I want my- family. And thank you for inviting me into your little boy's world. I appreciate it. Well, nice to have you. I'm kind of jealous of you. You get to have some Christina Ricci in your life pretty soon. Oh, God. I'm going to sit here and dream about her just Wednesdaying my Adams. Covering biscuits and sweet tea. In our defense, she's about our age. So most of us developed our crush on her at the same time. <laughs> Something like that. All right. We'll be back after this short break. After these messages, please stop. We'll be around. Okay, welcome back, Crit. We're just waiting for everybody else to join in. Mm-hmm. There's Evan. Tears, Evan. Now we're just waiting on Gerald. So, while we're waiting on Gerald, uh, I. And Gerald got back into uh, Path of Exile, uh, which for the people who do not know what it is, if you know what an action RPG is, which I didn't until I started playing PoE, uh, it's basically a a top-down RPG game uh, like Diablo or... I can't think of another example. Um... But it's 
unlike Diablo, there's a lot more depth to it. Uh, Diablo is a lot more pick up and play, uh, where PoE, as far as character creation, is far more open. Uh, I almost want to say open world, but it's the same linear levels, uh, just. Right. Uh, okay, good a, job. Good job. All right, so what shall we talk about first? Well, there is a there is a thought that went into my head earlier today because I had just watched the 4K of Blade Runner, and I think it's something we could easily like get out of the way in just like five minutes too. But I have a Deckard question. Was a replicant. No, not that one. I honestly don't care whether or not he's a replicant. <laughs> um, but it's just. For some weird reason, I have no idea what led me down this path. It was literally right before we started recording. I found myself thinking about how I hate it when an author actually has an interesting premise, like an alternate version of America, where it's like we lost World War II or something like that. But it's just, and it's even the publishers who put it out there even put that as a selling point. But when you read the book or usually watch the movie, usually a very cheap movie, you find out it's just an excuse for them to do something like write essentially Pride and Prejudice. But it's steampunk, so we're supposed to like it. <laughs> I was just wondering if anybody else like found themselves into something where it's like they got sucked into something because they had an interesting premise only to find out, oh, this is some stupid shit that can literally be in any environment and they're doing nothing with it whatsoever. Yeah. Naruto. <laughs> and Naruto and um, Fairy Tale. I am very glad you brought up anime because where would it be without Blade Runner? Hmm. I do not know. I don't know the connection. <laughs> really? Uh oh. Have you seen Blade Runner? I want to say yes, uh, but I can't. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. I know the name. I want to say yes. Um, like, after this, just go on YouTube. Just look up the opening of Blade Runner, and then in your head to see if you can list how many animes immediately pop into your head watching it. Like literally, almost the entire look of anime for at least definitely during the '90s and late '80s came from that movie. Like you don't have Akira without that. Hmm. And Akira spawned a whole fuckload of other shit. Yeah, like ghost. Like if you're watching that and somehow you're not immediately thinking Ghost in the Shell, then I assume you haven't seen Ghost in the Shell, any version. No, Actually, no. Think yeah, about it. I, I think Ghost in the Shell took their whole plot from Blade Runner in a way. Oh, there's definitely if Blade Runner is what I think it is, which is uh, who is it that starred in the Indiana Jones movies? I'm Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, Blade Runner is the Harrison Ford movie about the future sort of utopia. Uh, oh, no, no, it's very are... dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's supposed to be a utopia within the world. It's supposed to be like, I mean, even mm -hmm. now, certain people think, well, it, in any case, I... dystopia. Yeah. Uh, where uh, there are near human androids or robots, right? They're almost Replicants. indeterminable. Yeah, replicant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I probably have seen it, but I was probably too young to remember. 
Well, if you've ever watched an anime, if you've been watching anime enough anime, especially the sci-fi ones, you you kind of seen it without seeing it a lot of times already. Kind of like how like, if you watched like going back to Pride and Prejudice, if you've watched a romantic comedy any time in the '90s to like roughly about 2010, chances are you've been you've, you've been exposed to Pride and Prejudice without knowing it. I have not willingly watched romantic comedies. But I have been forced to. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, and you you could hear it in Chris's voice. He's like, "No, don't stop making me watch that." No, no actually, more. there's a reason why my favorite romantic comedy is when Harry met Sally. And if you think about it, it's because there's a there's not a lot of romance in it. <laughs> actually, well, I mean, I, it's, oh. it's Billy Crystal. Why, where 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 would the romance be? In uh, the love he has, we have for him in our hearts. <laughs> I actually like there is there's one romantic comedy that I watched willingly, and it's because a bunch of my friends tricked me into going and seeing some horror movie or another, knowing full well I don't do horror. So instead of <laughs> going to the horror movie, I went down the way to the only thing else that looked remotely interesting, and it was Bridget Jones Bridget Jones Diary. Hmm. Still haven't seen that. Uh, I mean, it was unremarkable. I mean, I think I've got the closest thing to a romantic comedy I personally feel I need at the moment, and that's Jerry Maguire. Well, we can't we can't forget the best romantic comedy ever, Deadpool. This is true. I got married because of that. <laughs> It was the number one streaming romance movie when it came to VOD on Amazon Prime. <laughs> I like the opening line to that. My my boyfriend told me that this was a superhero movie, but he just skewered that guy like a shish kebab. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Such a good okay, goddamn so, movie. I know, and an excellent sequel to boot. Best use of Brad Pitt ever. <clears throat> what? In the Deadpool 2. Where was Brad Pitt? He was the Vanisher. Okay, so minor spoiler for like the, anyone who has not seen Deadpool 2. There's a joke that one of the members of X-Force is a guy who's invisible. But you don't see him until he's killed on their maiden mission. And you see very quickly that it was Brad Pitt the whole time. I did not. Time. I noticed that right away because I remember it's like. It's real. It's almost like a blinking, you miss it kind of a scene. But I remember watching the theater. I was like, "Wait, is that Brad Pitt being electrocuted to death?" <laughs> mm. I also one of my favorite jokes about that maiden mission is that the only member of X Force that Deadpool uses time travel to go back and save is like the normal dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's no indication he saves anyone else. <laughs> Well, then uh, I forget what what was his name. Uh, Ethan? I just, no, not it wasn't Ethan. It was a. Uh, it was a. Uh, ah, the name is escaping me. It's right there. I don't remember. Uh, I just think of him as Papa Bear for some reason. Uh, but yeah, he I was cool. Was he was the coolest one. Well, his Twitter account when the before the movie came out was just amazing. <laughs> it's, 
It's the ultimate soccer dad, super supportive soccer dad Twitter account talking about how awesome it is to be a part of X Force. Hmm. Okay, so did we get the answer to the question about uh, the thing? What thing? What the fuck were we talking about? I think this started with me Wait, asking, uh, have you ever been sucked in by uh, any movie, TV, any work of fiction that had an interesting premise, but it turns out it was just an excuse to just redo a very famous story with literally very little changes and no attempt whatsoever to explore the interesting idea that they sold, that you were sold on. Mm. Yeah. Right. Have you ever thought something looked cool and then it turned out it wasn't cool? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. I know of something that doesn't look cool, but when you look into it, you find out there is cool, but it's shoved into the background. And you guys will hate me when I say this. Oh, Twilight. <laughs> How did I know you were going to say that? Because it's one of those things where it's like, let's be honest, I, I have never read a Twilight a book. I've only watched one of the movies, and I was like quasi-forced to. Um, but that movie was where I developed it, where I started to realize, and I was surprised when I found out it wasn't something changed for the movies. It's there in the books, too. That uh, what's-her-name who wrote the Twilight books, uh, Stephanie Meyer, actually creates some of the most interesting characters and mythology. She just completely ignores that for the absolute worst fucking thing she creates, which she always puts front and center. Uh, I haven't read any of the books, so I don't know. I've only seen the movies. Uh, what made me first realize this was when I watched the third movie, and for no reason whatsoever, out of the blue, one character starts telling about her background of how she became a vampire, and uh, I guess warning, trigger warning for anybody who has issues with sexual assault, but this is literally what happens in the movie, and apparently it's in the book too. She's from roughly, I think, the Edwardian era England. Uh, some dude tricked her in ways that would not work in the 21st century because we know about them now, but definitely worked all the time back then. Uh, and she thought she was gonna. She thought she was madly in love and was gonna be off to marry a guy. And when she left her family to uh, be with him, he instead like had his friends gang rape her and then leave her for dead. And Ooh. another vampire. And then a vampire that comes along. Was... Sees what happens. Yeah, and a vampire that... comes along. Oh, oh sorry. Sees what no, happens. No. Yeah, sees what happens. See, uh, I mean, like sees the aftermath of it. Basically, takes pity on her, so he changes her into a vampire. So that she can enact justice, and she hunts down all of her attackers one by one while in a wedding dress. And I remember watching this like quick little two, three minute sequence and thinking, "Why the fuck am I not watching that movie?" <laughs> right? Okay, that was, but that's that's the girl whose uh, whose boyfriend they killed in the second movie when he tried. No, to no, eat no, no. Bella, that's, right? the, that's the vil- No, that's the villain of the third movie. This is actually one of Bella's friends. During some weird sequence where they're like preparing her for a potential vampire attack or something. But it's like one of the girls like training her on how to protect yourself when you're being attacked by like freaking sparkly vampires. Oh, was it the older, <laughs> was it the one with the long blonde hair then? The blonde haired one? Don't, I think it was a blonde hair. I don't know. I don't remember that clearly. I just remember thinking, why is there a character this fucking interesting here with this interesting a backstory? And, and they're given this, and, this disaster. Yeah, like <laughs> literally, what I got in those two or three minutes was a much better movie. And for what I heard, this is like I came out of that movie surprised at how not bad it was. I'm not gonna lie, like the movie itself, it was boring as fuck. It was bland. It was mediocre. You would forget it instantly uh-huh. if it didn't have like such a 
famous name attached to it. But apparently, of the full of all the movies, that's more or less the best one. Hmm. The first one. This is like the third one. I didn't see any of the others. I didn't see the first one. Didn't see the second one. Uh, the person you're talking about, who like the boyfriend was killed in like the first movie or something like that. I found out later that she's the villain in the third one, played by. Bryce Dallas Howard, who I know right. because it's Bryce Dallas Howard, and I will always have a crush on that woman. And and I didn't I bother like with the two other ones after that. It, to me, the movies got worse as you went. So I would always tell people the first Twilight movie, it's not as terrible as everyone says, but that doesn't mean it's good. It's okay. Yeah. And like you said, they're very forgettable, which is honestly the worst thing you can be. Because if you're amazingly terrible, you can have fun with that movie and laugh at that movie for how terrible it is. And you might become a cult classic because of it. Or you can be good. But if you're right in the middle of the road, people just forget you. People tend to forget you existed. And that's what usually kills a franchise. So uh, unfortunately, I don't think that franchise will ever be forgotten. But if you watch the third movie and thought that that one was okay, you'll probably love the first movie. I have no intention of going back to that franchise. (laughs) I do want to point out, though, before somebody like a a Twihard gets mad at me or something about that, (laughs) I want to point out that I'm not saying, sadly, I wish it would go away because I'm like, oh, it sucks, and anything that doesn't fit like my idea of what's good or bad needs to go – I actually find that whole franchise actively damaging because it is sending some very horrible messages to at least to entire generations of young readers, particularly young girls. But even I'm sure there are young boys who are reading it too and get into it. And it's it is to me that is like the most textbook example, with the exception of Fifty Shades of Grey, of what a toxic, horrible, mutually abusive relationship is. Well, yeah, it's the same thing with the Joker and Harley, and all, and it is a majority of. It is a majority of young girls, but that's the same thing with Joker and Harley and the toxic relationship they have. And yet, every like this, yeah. This but the group difference is that they are that... glorifying it. No, no, that's they they glorify. But the thing is, the creators oh, don't. Not, yeah, the creators don't. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> like with Twilight, she is glorifying it as a creator. She wants yeah. people to think this is what a good, healthy relationship looks like, and that bothers me because god only knows how many like right now we have battered girlfriends and wives at home because they follow the beats of those books drum well it's the it's inuyasha i remember when i was younger watching the anime inuyasha and at first i didn't see it but after the show goes on for a little while you're like kagome this is an incredibly abusive and terrible relationship kagome is a horrible person inuyasha is a horrible person Actually, all of them are pretty shit people. <laughs> I think I brought this up like uh, probably the first one I guessed in a, a podcast of these. That I, that's that's what got me watching Zoe's extraordinary playlist because after some point you have to realize the villain of the story is Zoe because <laughs> yeah. she's just the absolute and, worst fucking person. <laughs> and that's the thing, Sashomaru who is supposed to be one of the villains of the show, is actually the best character in the show and the best person in the show. He's almost a polar opposite of Inuyasha and is a decent human, even for being a full-blooded demon, is a decent human being for being the opposite of the protagonist. (laughs) (laughs) 
funny. Fuck <clears throat> out of here with that. He, shit. He's what uh, to take a turn from SF debris and something. And one of his reviews I watched recently, I would say Inuyasha is our protagonist for lack of a better option. <laughs> well, no, he's our protagonist because plot. Yeah. <laughs> so the moral of the story is if you come across something that uh, has an interesting premise but looks like it may just be rehashed of something else, watch an anime instead. Mm. Uh. At least it's got pretty colors. <laughs> and flashing lights. If you're prone yeah, they... to seizures, avoid, avoid. <laughs> prone to seizures, it's still probably better than watching Twilight. It's... Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I can't even disagree with that. <laughs> okay, I, like, like I, I would only like, watch Twilight if its title is immediately followed by Zone. Like I try to be fair, but Twilight's not giving me anything to defend them with. I, I, I'm literally a defendant in the courtroom, and I got no evidence to put up a defense. I got nothing. Defense attorney, not defendant. <laughs> Well, yeah, defense attorney. <laughs> Look, this is a case where it's an open and shut case, and the prosecutor is Jack Hangem High McCoy. He screwed that. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to get my client away from the death sentence at this point. <laughs> like Twilight, just, shut up! Don't say anything. We're just trying to keep you alive at this point. <laughs> so what you're saying is that you're Matt Murdock, and to be clear, I mean the Ben Affleck one. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, no one should ever be the Ben Affleck, Matt Murdock. <laughs> like, right. even though I'm that weird I, guy, I, who feel knows it. I like that movie. That is, that is like the worst lawyering I think in the entire history of film. <laughs> That's worse lawyering than my lawyer. Oh, <laughs> hey, Gerald, check check yes. out the Facebook message. He said he's saying get uh, back okay. on to Poe. I, I found a uh, vault, you know me. Uh, a vault cave, so get in here. Anyway, sorry. Okay, so what are uh, we going to review on. first? Uh, actually, let's do all the main stuff first, and then we'll do the reviews at the end real quick, especially since uh, Evan was saying that, uh, you know, because he doesn't have anything to – add to that to those conversations but the other ones we're going to be talking about everyone should have opinions and things they can add to it so let's do the reviews after okay which uh, dumpster fire should we talk about first um we can well just let's just let's just start with trump and removing america from the uh world world, world health, health organization. organization yeah yeah what? i I had a weird I had a weird realization the other day that uh assuming he loses the uh, election basically put the um, at the start of the Trump uh, America is at the end of the Trump presidency when he basically uh the relationship with the world is the same that Mexico had with us at the start of the Trump presidency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are we are the Mexico of the war, we are the Mexico to the world's America. <laughs> Interesting. And as for the WHO thing, he said he was going to do that a while ago. I was just surprised that it didn't officially happen until like apparently very recently. Uh, how does he even have the authority to do that? Like um, without 
Uh, he has a Senate that basically will give him whatever he wants, no matter what. <sighs> like, he so basically what? has more power than a president should for that reason. <clears throat> but uh, there's a reason behind that as well. Uh, let's see. As for the WHO thing, I think this is speculation on my part, but I believe his logic is that he wants the cure or the vaccine, whichever comes first for the COVID-19 virus, to be American-made. And he does not like the idea that any, any of the rest of the world could potentially get some of the credit. No, man, see. isn't that a very businessman like outlook on that, which could immediately get so many people killed? But d- d- who gives Remember, a fuck? This is a disease that is killing people. Who cares who comes up with the cure? We're not, Remember, we're not just about any businessman. We're talking about the only businessman I know of who failed to make money at a ca- owning a casino. <laughs> well, this is what happens when you run a country like a business. Yeah. <laughs> No, five point two trillion dollar increase in our debt, I, I as opposed like to the ten trillion increase under the last guy. No, oh, actually, there was a decrease. <laughs> I back to speculation because the last president, current president, whatever. It's not like either one of them were particularly good. We haven't had a good president and. Well, in my lifetime, uh, I, I still I still say to this day my favorite president's Kennedy. Which one? Uh, oh wait, no, sorry. <laughs> I was I always think Roosevelt. So my brain went to how there's two Roosevelts, and I think FDR. But Kennedy uh, is sure as fuck way up there. Yes, Kennedy was good. I think Reagan was probably the last good dish. Hell one. no. Moving. He along. was one of the worst. <laughs> We're also getting away from the topic. Yeah. Um, I think that the reason why he withdrew, and I am woefully undereducated on this point, so do not take what I say too seriously. Um, I think the reason that we withdrew was because they're like, hey, Trump, this shit's serious. Could you maybe not tell people that it's okay and just go about their lives? Because that's really not helpful or something to, along those lines. And he's like, well, fuck you guys. I'm going to take my ball and go, pl- uh, go play elsewhere. You can get fucked. Because hmm. that sounds like something he'd do. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I also think it's partially what I said. And I also think a big part of it is that he thinks if we – regardless of whether or not we're further ahead in doing that or not, that if America makes the um, is the one who creates the vaccine, then we're the ones who will sell it. I think he's an idiot. Oh, I agree on entirely. He, wow. he really... <laughs> Even his supporters Look, agree on that point. <laughs> we may not all agree on who the best presidents are, but I think we can all agree on which one is the worst. <laughs> Currently, he's... he's... Blowing everyone out of the water. Yeah. There, there was one president, I, I forget which one, it was some obscure president, who said my greatest accomplishment in four, eight, however many years he served, 
was doing nothing. <laughs> I, for, I, I remember the quote, but I don't remember the president. But yeah, sadly, that makes you a very good president in a lot of ways, depending on the era. But yeah, oh, because God, this one. It's almost like credit. It's better to have none than bad. Right. If you can't have good, it's better to have none than bad. Right. Are you, uh, G, are you coming here? I am looking for you now. Where It says you're already in the cavern. I can't teleport into the cavern. Where are you? Um, what? <laughs> They're playing the game. Ah. Yeah. Part of the uh, whole gaming sessions and the title. <laughs> So while, while they're doing that, I'm going to give my opinion on why Trump uh, decided to, uh, I guess, divorce and uh, defund the WHO. And this might be, so everybody tighten your tinfoil hat, this might be well, incorrect. To be, just to be clear, in case someone gets confused on that, when you say defund the WHO, what that doesn't mean is that the WHO has no funding. It means they're just not getting any America, any money from America. Right. And um, something that he had said is the U.S. pays more to the WHO than any other country, China included. I am actually not 100% sure if he's wrong about that, so it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, kind of like when he he was talking at the U.N. or no, it was NATO, I think. One of, one of those where, you know, the, the other countries weren't paying their 3%. Even though they were. <laughs> eh, well, you know, I, I, I don't have, uh, you know, I don't have those facts in front of me. I'm, I'm just giving my opinion. Yeah. So um, my understanding of it is that the WHO has been coddling China or not being 100% clear and upfront. That is definitely one of the excuses he's using. Right. And probably incredibly difficult to fact check. Also, probably that would be right. new. Because <laughs> usually I am used to him saying things that's very easy to fact check, which is why I go, why is he dumb enough to say that? But. <laughs> Right. So, and Gerald well, and I, we did a we did a bonus episode last night until about twelve, talking. <laughs> it's going to be one of the one of the subjects on the podcast, but we were talking about those kind of things, and uh, like the <clears throat> about the coronavirus, how we don't and. Evan, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong. We still don't know how it escaped from the lab, whether it was intentionally, whether it was... It did escape from a lab. What's that? It's it didn't not, escape from a lab. It's not a lab thing. This is a natural-born virus. Yeah. Uh, where China fucked up was they basically did the Chernobyl thing of a whole bunch of people so scared of being held accountable for what was going on that they didn't properly inform people like they should. So that by the time it got big enough that they had to do something, it was kind of like already too late. Mm, Right. And it had a chance to spread all over the world. We must not look stupid. 
by immediately making ourselves look stupid. Yeah. Our appearance <laughs> is far more important than the safety of our people. Mm. That sounds like <laughs> something America would do. Yeah. And a big part yeah. also... <laughs> well, we kind of are doing that right now. That's why we're in the position we're in. But And also a big part of him leaving the WHO is that like literally everything the WHO from the beginning, since it's got... Since, we, since America has had to acknowledge the very obvious health issue to the point where even Trump couldn't deny it anymore, everything they said you should be doing to help prevent the spread, to you know, even the all that stuff is the exact opposite of what Trump has been trying to sell the people on from the jump and still to this day. Hmm. Like they're the ones who say wear a mask. They're the ones who say social distance. They're the ones who are saying stay at home, especially if you show signs of symptoms. They're the ones who pointed out that you can be an asymptomatic car- uh, carrier, though it's not, they didn't officially come out and say that until just the other day. They have been like hinting at it for the longest time. But at the end of the day, I think Trump wants everybody to take what he says as gospel and is already frustrated enough that enough people in the country aren't, don't do that already. And let's be honest, what can we say about a leader who takes something as important to our health and equally simple as just plain wearing a mask and turns that into a political issue? Well, to be fair, he's not the only one that does something stupid by making something political when it doesn't need to be. Agreed, but... This is the kind of thing where it's like nobody should be looking at it politically. No, it should never even occur to somebody to take something like this and turn it into a political thing because this is something that affects everyone equally, no matter what. And last, and I'm not going to pretend I did the research on this, but as far as I can tell, we are the only country that took the mass thing as a political statement. Well, with the exception, of course, of Venezuela, who are in the same boat we are with the rest of the world. Hmm. Yeah. And I got to give Trump credit. I have to say he's smarter than the guy running that place because Trump, as far as we know, still hasn't gotten the fucking disease. That guy did. <laughs> right. Brilliant. Choice That's one thing him. we can count on. Trump will always look out for Trump. Mm. The person we want to get the deadly diseases always seems to skate. <laughs> now, for the Secret Service that are listening in, we don't actually want Trump to die. <clears throat> so, oh, no, I, I'm still on the fence about that. <laughs> I'm not. The last thing I want to the last thing I want before the day I die are the fra- are the words President Trump to be a reality. I mean, not Trump, President Pence to be a reality. Well, to be fair, it's not. I'm not on the fence about it. I don't want him to die. I just don't want him to ever be in a position of power or have any form of authority ever again. Not even in his social circles. Not even in his family circle. No authority, no ability to make decisions. Sadly, he there's has no proven, the family circle part. But go ahead. I know, I know. But he has proven that this is a power he cannot responsibly handle. He proved that before he got elected. Every time I met somebody who was like, "Oh, he'll make a great president because he's such a good businessman," I'm like, "The dude's got like a good half dozen like friggin' bankruptcies under his belt." I say this as an emphasizer, not that he hadn't always proven it. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, when I Trump think... first came up as a candidate, I was like, "What? What is this clown show?" He's whoa, whoa, he's whoa. run for president multiple times. Anyway, has um, he? Oh, yes, I heard about it. He's he's run multiple times. He hasn't gotten anywhere multiple times, but he's he's tried. Um, but the uh, another thing to point out here is that if he had just done nothing, literally nothing, with his trust fund, he would have m- more money than he does now. It's like true. If, if, well, if he that's what. Oh, sorry. Continue. No, that, that was it. That was, that uh, was it. Um, I forget who I was talking to about it, but I was actually wondering about that because it always felt like Trump ran for president, not because he thought he would be a good president or that he would win, but as more publicity or just look at the crazy shit I'm doing. And then he won. And it feels like he was just as surprised as everyone else. And then he's like, well, what the fuck do I do now? <laughs> Apparently not read those reports in the morning. <laughs> no. Well, I remember there was a, an interview of someone who was at his campaign and they actually said, and this was like, this wasn't like something that happened recently. This was like way back before he was even elected as president. Somebody said that when the final like tally came in, he saw that he had won he had just sort of locked himself. He just sort of quietly went to a room for a little bit with this weird sort of like deer in the headlight, scared for my life look on his face. Well, yeah. And then when he came <laughs> out, he was suddenly acting like this was the greatest thing ever. And that person, the speculation on their part, but that person speculated that that, that basically he went to convince himself that it was a good thing. And I think deep down inside, he knew all the troubles he would have to deal with. He's been dealing with since he became president would be a problem, and probably a few worse problems he wasn't expecting happened, too. I mean, kind of the only way he got away, the only reason he got away with a lot of stuff he did is because other people working in the White House are good enough at their jobs to know how much trouble they would get into if they didn't have subtle forms of insubordination to keep it from going too far too illegal. Basically, he would be a lot worse if people weren't covering their own asses. Mm. Suddenly got very quiet. Um, Oh no, it's just we're we're all having a moment of silence for the bullshit that we're dealing with because this guy's president. (laughs) (laughs) Oh it's just really you guys you guys are at least. (laughs) Uh for honestly, sadly, in my mind, a lot of this is business as usual. <laughs> like uh, I'm used to being in a situation that is not even remotely designed to help me out in it, in any way, shape, or form. Um, so, right. like, there's a reason for that SNL skit I love so much that came out. Uh, I think the weekend after the election, where it really is just Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock watching their t- watching their like three white friends get more and more devastated as it, as they realize more and more that Trump's going to win. And they're just acting like nothing. And they're just acting like, oh, now things are horrible. Now things are going to get bad. Oh, I. <laughs> right. Like, I will say this though he handled it as badly as possible when it comes to all the stuff with the police brutality and the BLM movement, 
those this would have happened eventually. He, he what he, all he did was speed things up. Um, I don't so, think that makes it any better. So I have a thought on this. Um, people like people loving to blame Trump for you know cop killings and everything, Mm-mm. or you know cops killing people. He's not the one that passed the laws in those cities and states. Uh, wait, but no one's blaming Trump, though. Why are you saying that? Uh, I don't know. Talking about my <laughs> ass, I guess. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, we're more this. If anyone's upset with in regards to that situation with him, it's just how he's handling it. And let's be honest. I all you have to do to see how he's handled to real, all you need to know about how he handles this situation is just look at the friggin' photo op debacle. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that. But, and, and that, honestly, this it was a trend that was on the upswing even before he came into office. It did drastically increase after he was elected because he basically encouraged a lot of police officers to do that. But it was never. But he is just a symptom of the problem. He is not the creator of it. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. That's the funny thing. It's like, I will be the first one to say, no, I'm, we, sh- we are not blaming Trump for this or that, because quite frankly, we don't need to make shit up with this man to make our point. Yeah, he gives us all the material we need. <laughs> mm. Yes, baby. Okay, and that so... is why he is the worst. Seriously, this guy makes me miss Nixon. That's bad. <laughs> well... We weren't alive when Nixon was president. I know, but I'm saying I'd much rather be in the Nixon dealing with the Nixon administration than this. At least that man hmm. read the damn reports in the morning. <laughs> At least that man got elected knowing how to do the job of being the president. Yeah, it was a job he was actually intending to get so that he knew so that uh, because he knew how to do it and wanted to do it. Yeah. Not oh shit. I got like Trump is like the guy who puts in a resume that says he is a software engineer, yet his own his actual qualifications fall in line with Kentucky Fried Chicken Fry Cook, and he gets the job and he's like, "Holy crap! What do I do now? I just put it in as a well, maybe I get it, maybe I don't, but I have no idea what I'm doing." <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm with you, Gerald. I honestly don't think he ever planned to get elected, and nobody was more shocked by that than him. And his ego just won't let him admit he can't do the job. <laughs> Unfortunately, there are too many people like that. They're more invested in their own egos than actually doing the right thing, pretty much. This is this is why, strangely enough, I'm not sure I don't believe him about the whole uh, Russian bounty on American soldiers thing, because I have no doubt he either let it go in one year or out the other and completely forgot about it if someone did verbally say it to him. And if no one verbally said it to him and it was just put into a report, I have no doubt he did not read it. Technically, he was informed. He just didn't bother to actually get the information, basically. Or he just forgot. Yeah. He 
he he gave the customary, oh, that's a that's a really bad thing, but I'm going to get on that. I'm going to get on that better than anyone who's ever got on that situation and solve it. <laughs> and then literally an hour later, forgot it even existed. <laughs> it's going to be the bigliest. Everyone. <laughs> Well, I feel like you don't. You get a pretty decent idea of his like entire mentality and psychology just listening to his speeches, because I'm not going to lie. I honestly think the guy is one of the in terms of politics, he's one of the greatest presenters ever. He knows how to put on a show and all that. But when you actually listen to the speeches in their entirety, it really is just like a really messed up stream of consciousness with no point to it whatsoever. Hmm. You know who else was a great was great at giving no, speeches. No Godwin's law. No Godwin's <laughs> law, damn it. Do, 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 do you know who else was good at giving speeches? I, too, or... was thinking of Captain Picard. I'm glad you brought that up, Crit. <laughs> <laughs> Why will no one let me finish that statement? Is it because you're all thinking the same thing? That I really want I'm to see a speech off between Captain Picard and Captain America? Because I do. Wait, what? <laughs> My God! I can walk. <laughs> uh, Peter Wait. Sellers. Have you seen my friend Kyle? He's this high. <laughs> of course, they cannot save everyone. <laughs> It's like my favorite soldier in American history, Jack D. Ripper. <laughs> I may or may not have watched Doctor Strange Love recently, the last couple of weeks on four in four K. <laughs> Indeed. <sighs> oh fuck! It's so cold in this house. Okay. I started my day so lightheartedly by rewatching Chernobyl. <laughs> I'm just, so I'm full of right. cheer and funny. <laughs> remember no, when the no. remember when the worst things as humans we had to worry about was the apocalypse? I mean, <sighs> if if you believe, I miss in... those days. <laughs> I, wouldn't you love to go back about thir- like 40 years when they're watching Mad Max for the first time and be like, just like go to the people back then and be like, believe it or not, you might prefer this one because at least it's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like, it's weird how now that we're dealing with the with actual apocalyptic scenarios right now, how s- strangely it feels like fiction that all the fiction we've grown up with about this stuff has gotten practically everything about it right except how banal it was going to be it's like the one thing they got wrong hmm. well you you don't okay in fiction you're watching the hero's story not the the everyday person's story what and everyone thinks that they're the hero of their own story so but that's just it, though. Like, even if you're watching like uh, the cowboy, the main char- you know hero character in an old western, you still get a basic idea of what regular western life is for everyone else who's not that character. And we- even like the side characters or the ones that don't even get names, they're like person number four on the left mm-hmm. of this scene. 
seem to have a far more interesting apocalypse than we do. Certainly like, something to be said. The thing I relate to the most in post-apocalyptic fiction is that point in The Walking Dead where they stopped noticing the zombies in the background. Because, man, is that the thing I relate to the most right now. <laughs> yeah, the man-eating monsters that are, you know, trying to kill us all are not the worst thing we have to deal with. It's the politicians that keep making arbitrary policies that affect our lives in negative ways and make us more vulnerable to the man-eating monsters trying to kill us all. <laughs> like, uh... yeah, has anybody noticed how we keep having all these other disasters and apocalypse scenarios like it feels like one a month that just nope away like murder hornets before the end of the month we've noped out of this one aliens <laughs> confirmed that noped out quick like it's like every it's like every it's like back when they we had the two killer meteor movies in the 90s coming out at the same time and just one just seemed to cancel the other out it's like every it's like all the other apocalypse are trying to come in 2020 then they saw the apocalypse we're actually having and they're just like yeah yeah, yeah no <laughs> oh yeah hmm. uh any final any other thoughts on uh on the on the whole Trump going no to the who? Sir. Yes, sir. World Health Organization, who? WHO. Mm. Uh, well, I'm with the doctors in who. Is it me or does it me. strike anyone else as strange that the World Health Organization's abbreviation accounts to who? <laughs> no. This is like called who. What's strange <laughs> is that just before he got cast in the role of a doctor, guess who was the main guy uh, we saw being more or less in charge of the WHO in World War Z, the movie? Yep, Peter Capaldi. Yep. <laughs> he was oh, a doctor working yeah. for who? <laughs> Illuminati confirmed. Wait, what? <laughs> that did not escape my notice. <laughs> Oh, you didn't mess up for it. That's not a canceling. That's a waking up in a different place with hooded figures over your <laughs> looking down at you. <laughs> That's every morning in 2020. <laughs> I kind of. God I feel damn it, like, that's too appropriate an analogy. <laughs> I feel like, like every day we get like a, a, a couple steps closer to V for Vendetta. Hmm. Well, that's Which been going one? on for a while. I don't know if it's going to. We'll we'll, we'll see. Like, it, I, I mean, think... shit is happening, but I, I I I don't know. We humanity always seems to come out of it in the end somehow. So we'll we'll see if my big thing is revolution. My big thing is it just feels like we're tempting luck a lot and. Lady Luck is fickle, and at some point in time, she's going to decide she doesn't like us sleeping on her couch and is going <laughs> to kick us the fuck out. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> I, I mean, I know too much about, like, my, my love of, like, paleontology and stuff like that. I am fully aware that as many, like, species as we have wiped out in our existence, we barely get Mother Nature's notice. 
no one has killed more species than Mother Earth herself. Hmm. Yeah, she doesn't care. Like, when Mother Earth is finally tired of us, she will get rid of us. There won't be much we can do except leave the planet. And even then, that's not necessarily mean we're going to something better. <laughs> nah. Oh, you want to leave my little planet, do you? Well, you know what's out there? A void that's not even remotely designed to help you live in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I bet you're wishing you paid more attention to how you were treating me. In hmm. always that way, we don't realize how good a woman we have until she kicks us out. We're talking about Mother <laughs> Not you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> my wife just leaned in looked me dead in the eyes and I'm like but just not talking about you like, not talking about you please don't kill me yeah. <laughs> why would that be a killable offense if you're not talking <laughs> I think the way to because... end this portion is to just bring up one of my favorite quotes well, it's actually more of a paraphrase because I never get the quote white, but simply, the world will be a better place if mankind would plant trees that they never expected to sit in the shade of. Mm-hmm. Uh, a wise man plants trees for his children. Both. Or something to that effect. It, well, it's, it's part of the same quote. Yeah, I can't remember how the transition though. Yes, I'm guessing it's something like a wise man plants seeds for his children. Uh, plants seeds for ch- uh, plants seeds for his children instead of for like the shade that he can sit in when he later on or something like that. I don't know. And knowing but that's the that he'll idea. never sit, uh, he'll never enjoy the shade of the tree or some shit. Yeah. Yes, in other yes. words, you, to make a better world, you got to think past just the period of time you're living in. Oh no. Anyway, uh, so what's up next in this shit show? Well, up next is actually a thought experiment because I, I was thinking about the whole uh, coronavirus and how things have changed since it happened. So I, my thought was, what would be po- what would happen post world if a disease showed up? That was deadly, period, regardless of who caught it, was super contagious, and they couldn't find a uh, vaccine or cure for it. And the only way to prevent it was to not have contact. Basically, everyone had to stay indoors. How would the world change? Uh... Anyone else play Mass Effect? And I brought up that point with David as well. The species that has to stay inside the basically Corians. ecosystem. Yeah, the Corians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I brought that up as well. Because I feel but like that's what just... we're going to wind up with is we're going to turn into Corians. We're just not going to be traveling the universe in a very funny looking. Um, what did they call the large grouping of ships that they had? I forget. I forget uh, as well. Cluster or whatever um, it is. Well, it wouldn't uh, just be that. That wouldn't be the only thing that changed. It wouldn't just be, oh, everyone gets an evac suit. That it, it wouldn't happen that way, though. So, like, one of the things, it, like, just immediately that we would see as something that would can uh, that would pop up is just like now, delivery service would become the the end all be all, having everything delivered to the house. Uh, 
delivery people would all of a sudden become folk heroes because they're literally braving a deadly disease that will kill them to make the deliveries because people need that to live. Um, another thing I could see happening is drones, uh, many drones, all the drones. Yeah, our our entire workforce would have to, would become automated, and we'd start connecting buildings together. I'm curious right? about when you say the delivery people. You say they become folk heroes, but would it also be a case of like a lot of our essential workers now? Where they're doing it because they kind of have to, when clearly they would much rather be able to stay home for the safety of them and their families. Well, that's also true, which is, once again, why things would have to become automated, but that wouldn't happen immediately. Robots would not be able to take... Yeah, can can we just for a moment acknowledge just how incredibly disgusting and sickening it is that we, not even as a culture, as a species, have a tendency to try to prop up and make... What? Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, uh, how we have a tendency as uh, just like to try to prop up and make heroes out of people so that we can inspire future generations to essentially be our sacrificial lambs. Well, no, I'm not stating that. What I'm stating is they would become that in everyone's minds because they are doing. Oh the no, job. no, no! I'm not because... saying that. I'm just saying can we just acknowledge that that seems to be a bad habit of how we mythologize people. That are whose role in our society is to basically be our sacrificial lambs. Oh yeah, I mean, okay. yeah, we've been doing that for forever. Yeah. For... Uh, I missed some context here because I have a, a three-year-old in my lap. So what the fuck? Well, we're talking about uh, how delivery drivers—they um, would be a big deal and they'd be folk heroes. But at the same time, more likely than not, it's not a job most people will actually want to do or volunteer for. It's will be—they will feel forced to do it by circumstance when they would probably prefer to just stay home and make sure their loved ones are taken care of. And I brought up how if we, and I just basically said, can we acknowledge for a moment how disgusting it is that not even as a culture, but as a species, we have a tendency to mythologize our sacrificial lambs really just so we can get other people of future generations to be our sacrificial lambs. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, also. we do that in a lot of different aspects of life. So sit down, you fuckers. I'm going to tell you a story about Keith, the delivery driver. (laughs) Hey, Now, Keith wasn't a strong man. I did. Damn it. Okay. (laughs) I'm over here near a strong box, if you want to make your way to me. Yep. Good. Anyway. Um... What examples were you thinking of specifically with, with that? Um, well, we're doing it right now with our essential workers. We're talking about how great and heroic and essential they are, but we're doing nothing to help them out. <laughs> uh, you know, we're basically kind of like twisting their arm because they won't qualify to be for the benefits they need to stay at home and make sure their family is still taken care of. But every time they go out, they're burdening themselves and by extension, their own family at risk. Just like how in the past, the way you would get people to like agree to be knights and go into crusades is how we tell these grand stories of how like this knight went off into battle and did all these fantastic things. And then completely hide just how like completely devastatingly violent and gory battle is and the psychological effect it has on the person who's engaged in it. Yeah. Right. 
And We're doing it for God, my sons. Yeah. God like has him. decided that these men and women are heathens and must be expunged from the earth. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we've been doing it for centuries. It's just yeah. propaganda. It's always been propaganda. All right. Let's, let's not uh, forget that medical workers have been abused for ever at this point. Right? Uh Doctorate, uh, doctors' internships uh, to become doctors to practice medicine on their own is a grueling process, uh, and nurses are always overworked, no matter what level of nurse you are. Right, so it's not honestly at this point. I think it's they're getting a justifiable. Um, like uh, 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 they should be getting this praise all the time, not just in the middle of an epidemic. Oh, I agree. But the problem is that we tend to say we tend to use the praise as the reward itself instead of actually giving them their actual worth. If that makes yeah. sense, like you're not paying them anymore. You're not giving them more insurance or protection, like even the basics that just make sense to supplement the fact that they are putting themselves in that extra danger. <laughs> we're just yeah, saying it's... we're making you a hero and therefore you should be really happy. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that person uh, is thinking, great. I'd like to know my I'm safe. My family is safe while I'm, you know, that they that there's they will be taken care of that. If I do get sick, you will go out, you know, considering that I basically put myself on the front line, you'll put in that extra bit of effort to make sure I'm taken care of. You know, it's just like how all the times now we like a big problem with the VA is how often they don't take care of the soldiers who need it the most. It's the same uh, thing. Okay. Even though that's what they promised them going in. Hold on, hold on. I, I have something to say. Uh, I don't know if you're aware. I am a veteran. I do use the VA, and at least the VA here in Oklahoma does do its damnedest to take care of the veterans. It has gotten significantly better than what it was. Well, let me rephrase that. When I say the VA, what I don't mean is like the people working in the VA aren't doing what they can. But the government. But how many times has has like the VA been undercut by all sorts of things because they're saying even the, because the same government that said, Hey, if you join the military, then you'll be taken care of for life. When the time comes for them to pay up, go, yeah, we'd much rather put this money over here instead. That hmm. sort of a thing is what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I, I fully uh, recognize and understand that baby, baby. What? And I can honestly say too, I just I'm not a v, I'm not a vet. I'm just from a military family, but I have never worked met anybody who's worked for the VA who wasn't 100% dedicated to our soldiers and making sure they were taken care of no matter how bad their situation was. Right. It's it, it's, it's honestly above their pay grade where they're getting handcuffed. <laughs> and that's what bugs me. It's the handcuff. And I'm like, just saying that, you know, the soldier hero isn't enough. They should be treated like a hero, too. And they keep acting like them. They just saying calling them a hero is them treating them. The hero is the same thing. And I'm that always bugged me. And like I said, that's not even an us thing. That has been a problem with humanity from the dawn of time. It's also because the more normal something becomes, the less we as a people pay attention to it. The less we see it as 
uh, as essential as it actually is. I mean, you can see that with construction work as well. Um, they're rarely given the credit that they're given. And people, as a society, we tend to look down on that form of work. But these are the people who build your homes. These are the pills, people who build your places where you buy your food, your clothes, where you take your children for daycare. These are the people who allow the society to function as a society. Well done. But it's just so normal, no one really thinks of it in those terms. And they're not given the credit that they, they're just not given the credit that they deserve. Willow, go play outside for a minute. Now I feel bad. I feel like I took us on a tangent that we can spend all day on because I'm trying, because now I'm thinking about then there's teachers and then there's like now the people in the grocery store and there's like. Yeah, there's there it's a lot, and we do yeah. we ba- we when you have it always there available to you, and it it is not like these people can stop. It, they're they are invaluable to our way of life. They can't just stop. So when you're so used to it, and it is just always available, and the person providing it cannot stop, then it gets it gets taken for granted. Like, once again, we come back to you never know how good you had it until it's gone. So until those things are gone, you as a people, we just don't realize how valuable they were. Uh, Crick, come to me. Big treasure box. Um, Are you even still in this instance? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to catch up, but I'm being swarmed by shit. I think that's the beauty of being a geek. It's whether you're the one creating the geek material or the one consuming the geek material. Either way, we're the ones who are generally wise enough to under to not have to wait till something is gone before we understand what happens if it's gone and then make an active effort to prevent that. Well, it's also because... (laughs) Well, it's not just that. It's people who tend to live with... It's not everybody. It's not just geeks. It's certain individuals will recognize it. And if you have to go without, you tend to, you all, you always realize that value. People who don't have to go without don't real, you know, don't realize. I do need to point out at no point did I say it was just geeks. What I'm saying is that we, we consume and the best of us create things that are based off of speculation. We don't have to wait for the, for that situation to happen before we look at it and say, this is what's going to happen. And as a result, we're far more inclined to do things that prevent it from prevent the disaster before it becomes a disaster, as opposed to right. those who are just like, this is what I'm dealing with in the here and now. Why should I worry about later on then? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm piggybacking on that a little bit. Um, So uh, geeks, nerds, whatnot, uh, gamers in general have this... uh, I think part of the reason why we have that also is because uh, we've all had to like go someplace where there wasn't uh wi-fi or there wasn't whatever we couldn't do our thing so we've had to go without right and while it's not as dire as like oh god i don't have um i don't have running water right we can simulate that with a video game yeah but 
it's still something, it's still a deprivation that we're not accustomed to. And so we can take that step back and magnify it by, you know, oh God, what would be like if I didn't have fresh water and kind of get some perspective on things. Anyway, man, maybe I'm talking crazy, but no, no, I'm, I'm quiet. Cause I have, I have nothing I can add and nothing to disagree with. I think you said it very well. I think you said it better or more concisely than I did for the last five or 10 minutes. Yay. <laughs> we can all agree that Evan is not very clear or concise. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's totally what I heard. <laughs> Uh, uh, talking to guys in the I podcast, Corey. Sorry. Yeah, but I agree. Yeah, I agree with Evan. I think that was a really good way of uh, saying that. That makes a lot of sense. But no, I mean it's not all doom and gloom. Like for 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 all of humanity's faults, we have a lot of. Like I was thinking about this too, and I was like, for all of humanity's faults, we have a lot of good things. The it, it's not like the issue; it's the fact, the tendency that as humans, when we do something, we always go to the extreme of it, whether it's the extreme negative or the extreme positive. Like you have people who cannot do enough for other people. Here, let me feed you. Let me clothe you. Here, you can sleep in my house. Here, my my money is your money. Here, you need clothes? I'll take the ones off of my back. No, sleep in my bed. That's fine. No, I I haven't fucked my wife in years. Fuck my wife. It's fine. (laughs) Like, Like, as bad as we can be, we can always be, we can also be incredibly amazing. Right? Yeah. Plus the beauty um, of every disaster. It brings out the worst of us, but it brings out the best of us, too. I, I feel like a lot, of our bad t- a lot of our bad tendencies are still tendencies because we, we've had them for so long. They're bad habits. They're bad habits that we just can't seem to break. Well, a big part of that is the first step is acknowledging those habits are bad to begin with. And in some cases that they even exist. I've noticed a lot of people with bad habits and they just are completely oblivious to the fact that they even have the habit in the first place. Yeah. And I think it's right now what all this is about, all we talked about is we're just living in these unbelievably frustrating times. That's made even more frustrating by the fact that I feel like this is the first time I can think of in my lifetime where there's something that America is doing worse than everybody else. And it's, it's for, and I forcing me to think over and over and over again. So many times I, I looked at when something bad was happening in another country. I'm like, I'm glad that's not us. I'm glad I'm not dealing with that over there. And now here we are in a situation where we literally fucked up so bad that the rest of the world pretty much kicked us out until we get our shit together. (laughs) Okay, did the rest of the world kick us out or did we literally kick ourselves out? We kind of walked out. We fucked up. So, yeah, we fucked up so badly. Honestly, I'm exaggerating when I say the rest of the world, but what it is that basically the European Union 
like any country in the European Union isn't going to let us in anymore. And since almost every like major first world country outside of the U.S. and Canada, by the way, I think is also not accepting us either. And since every first world country outside of the U.S. Um, is pretty much like most of them are in Europe. That means we're royally fucked in terms of our um, influence on the world at large. Not to mention the fact that some of us have friends or families that are out there. This is why the situation with the students, uh, the foreign students being told that, hey, if you're not going to be coming to class in person who came here for college, then you got to go back to your countries. A lot of them aren't allowed to go back to their countries because they're here now. And that's why those. That's why a lot of them are panicking, and there's a very good chance that there's going to be some drastic legislation very soon because of it, because it's literally an impossible situation. Mm-hmm. And this is, like I said, I can't recall a single time, definitely not in my lifetime, I'm struggling tr- think of a time in history, I think the closest we got is the Civil War, where, basically mm-hmm. put, we look at mm-hmm. what's happening in the rest of the world and or how they're handling it, and then look at us and we're the losers. Um, I don't know that With I the exception would say of Venezuela. The, I, I don't know that I would say that we are the losers, but we're definitely just succumbing to our own hubris, and it's not even our own. Like the, like I talked to people in other countries fairly often through discord and so on and so forth and uh, the big thing that i tell them because a lot of them will ask at some point so i tell them up front and no i do not share the views of my fucking government it's fucking dumb right and by and large they understand that right They, they get that right the people are not necessarily indicative of the policies being made by government. Like we've been sick of our government for ages now. And but the problem is that it's not necessarily the policies alone that are fucking us over. I mean, kind of when you get right down to what we have is sort of a lack of policy. I mean, the leader who is supposed to make sure we'll come out the other side of this thing is it's like taking a textbook of what to do, in the case of a pandemic in this country, and literally every step is doing the exact opposite of each one. Like, hello, hello, hello. I'm still here. Can you hear me? Hello, I can hear you. Okay. Yes, yeah, we can uh, be heard. but I don't. Yeah, what I was saying is a lot of the problems, though, is just these individuals. We have a we have way too many individuals, and as anybody who actually just those basic biology of how a virus works knows you don't need that many who are aggressively doing the opposite of what they know they should do. And they're being encouraged technically by our government. One person particular in charge Hill to keep doing the thing, getting where we're trying to be. And right now, Every with the well, once again with the exception of Venezuela and a couple of other places, almost everybody else, if they're not recovering, they're on the road to recovery. We are still dealing with what is called Wave One, while we're st- already talking about what we're going to do about Wave Two in the fall. Hmm. We have more cases than anybody else. We're getting more. I think we're getting more deaths on a daily basis than anyone else right now. Though that tends to go up and down depending on the day. So I have a- and. 
I have a quick interjection. Remember when all this shit started? Uh, and, you know, in the summertime, it should die down. How come it hasn't died down? I thought. Yeah, I'll get your show. Um, David, you're coming in garbled for me, so I didn't catch that. All right, I'm going to make this real easy because uh, Gerald got disconnected. We're going to take a sponsor break and we will be right back. All right. Okay, there's one. Hello. I do need to correct something I said. Okay. I was uh I was actually wrong about uh Obama's contribution to the debt. He's actually the in terms of percentage, the fifth highest president in terms of adding the debt. Uh what I was confusing with was the fact that it was Things have been set so the debt would just gradually decrease, much in the same way we have to deal with inflation. But yeah, he has actually added more debt than Trump did so far. That said, though, if everything, uh, if every, if Trump gets a second term and all goes going to his plan, he will increase the debt by another eight point three trillion. Wonderful. Obama had actually raised it by eight point five eight trillion. And with the big difference in my mind between those two being that that was money Obama spent in hopes of trying to help with things like the like we had he had to deal with the recession all that, whereas Trump uh, and I should point out these are more allegations not anything I think is actually legally proven has a tendency to use tax dollars for things that are profitable specifically to him. So basically, he's spending tax dollar money that he should be spending for himself for his own personal business, since he is the only president who did not yeah. diverse himself from his businesses after he got elected. Uh, I thought he did. He did. No. He handed them off to someone else, and whenever he gets out of office, he will get them back. That's no. That's what I'm saying. Everyone else completely cut off their business ties. He actually did not. Other people are running the businesses for him right now, but he is still regularly getting income from those businesses. Uh, well, I mean, supposed to take a life of poverty. <laughs> you, I, he's got to do a lot more than that to make a life of poverty. But actually, every president before that did not did not take any money from their businesses, as far as I could tell, while they were in office. Hmm. I could be wrong. Uh, either way. Um... I don't know all of that. I know that he did something very specific so that he could actually take office because you can't have it's a conflict of interest. I think the simplest way to put what I was trying to say, and even that, uh, I was just pointing out that I was incorrect about who, about how much money Obama put into the debt uh, for anyone who missed that. But, but the simplest way to put it is he is more connected to his original source of income, namely his businesses, than any other president was while they were in office. I think it's the simplest way to put it. That's fair. And I... <sighs> On one hand, I can see where this is a problem. On the other, I don't know that I would could blame him. I mean, he's he's always, he, he's a slow brat. Okay, he, he was yeah. he, he was a rich kid when he was born. He'll be a rich man when he dies, and he's spoiled. He does not want to give up his toys, and. On one hand, I can understand that. 
because you, who wants to give up trillion or millions upon millions of dollars? It's who wants to do that? As long as I can keep enough of those millions that I'm taking care of, I'll do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. We Money has never been now. the issue. Being able to live well has always been the issue. Yeah. Well, no. They, you really, or at least in, from my perspective, you really only need enough money to live comfortably and take a trip outside the country every now and again. Yeah, once you have a million or two dollars, you you have more than enough to just live off the interest. And quite frankly, I would be getting more back from the interest every single year with just a million dollars than I actually make right now. Right. And for those of us that are making very, very, like nothing compared to what they are making daily, um, saying I would give up you know, those millions for this is easy to say when we don't have that to give up. I will always understand that I don't under that I don't know what I'll do in a situation until I'm in it. But I've also been in so many more situations that are usually in line with whatever I'm talking about than most people give me credit for. And I had already worked out just randomly for no reason whatsoever the other day that if I was getting paid just twice as much as I regularly do, that's all I really need. So literally the only reason I would even just keep $1 million is just so I have fuck you money. And after that, I don't care where the rest of the money goes. So chances are, yeah, I would just give it up. Cause what do I need? What do I need it for? Either way. Uh, this is, this is a, an aside from the original topic. Which I don't even know what it is since the break. So, I just uh, the only reason I, I was just basically correcting a, a fact I was wrong about. I looked it up while we were on the break. Okay, cool. Um, so, are we on to a new subject or are we going back to the old one? Either way, I need a refresher. The- I'm guessing we're moving on to a new subject. Gerald played D&D mm. last weekend. Oh, I did do that. Oh, well, I can talk about that. Yes. Um, D and D. Let's get off. Let's get off the depressing shit for a minute. Mm-hmm. So this, yeah. So D and D game. I don't know if it'll get off of the bread. Hopefully, it'll be Makraba entertaining. <laughs> because uh, this was, it was supposed to be a bigger party, but it came down to just having a party of two in our DM, and our DM is new. And this is like the second campaign that they're running. So me and the other player are trying to take it easy on them uh, while still having fun with the campaign. And they're running a module. I forget the exact name of the module. I, I, I should have asked, but I, I actually forgot I was going to be talking about this. Um, that's my bad. Uh, you played in Trello. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I hadn't I, I hadn't looked back at Trello until like just recently. So, like I said, it, my bad. I, I messed up. Um, but uh, so basically, we start off as being captured by a rogue uh, raiding tr- band of drow. Her? Cause so okay, because I know she asked me for food. So. The drow have captured us, and we roll for how many days we have been enslaved by them, because we've, we've been put in shackles and chains. So the other player 
has been uh, with them for like uh, 10 days, I think it was. And then the and then myself, I'd only been there for a day, and there were three other characters, an orc, a dwarf, and a darrow. And if you don't know what a darrow is, a darrow is like uh, an, uh, is a another sapient race that lives in the underground. Uh, not the underground, but the underdark. And so we all get taken to basically it's sort of like a outpost because it there's a cave entrance and then when you go in everything has been carved out in a very drow aesthetic much like uh menzo berenzen so there is a matron mother who is there who oversees the whole uh who oversees all the operations and this is basically a raid station they they go out at night and they raid and they bring back slaves and treasure and whatever else they find to this post and then ship it back to Menzo Berenzen which is one of the uh one of if not the largest uh drow uh city so now my background. Now I'm playing as a goblin rogue. With hmm. uh, we're, we're starting off at level two. I'm playing a goblin rogue fighter. I, I multi-classed on that so I could get a bonus to my uh to my attack bonus for hit from the fighter class. My the other player is playing with a race from the Magic the Gathering, the Leonai that Ajani is from. If if anyone recognizes who that is um so he's basically he's just a lion man right um so we're in our cages now my background is criminal and the background that i came up with for my goblin is that his entire clan was killed by a bar guest he's the only one that survived it and since then he has been hunting that bar guest down for those who don't know what a bar guest is a Bargast is a creature that is born into a uh, goblin clan, but what they are is a curse on all goblins because the goblin god betrayed another god. They made a deal, and then when it came time to pay up, the goblin god dipped out on it and didn't pay his end of the bargain. So the other god cursed him and the goblins because when a goblin dies, they go to serve in their goblin god's court. But what mm. the bar guest does is it is born as a goblin and as it develops, because it knows what it is from the moment it's born. And as it grows and develops, it actually starts killing and it starts killing important goblins and things like that. So it'll kill a goblin monarch. It'll kill an especially strong goblin. Like it starts basically weeding out those minions that would be good servants for the goblin god and it eats their souls so that they can't go to be in the afterlife with their goblins god and that's the curse so my character's background is that that's what happened a bar guest was born into his clan and before anyone realized what was going on it had already basically torn through the entire clan had grown the full maturity and then started finishing everyone off i was the only one that escaped but i am also hunting it i'm also hunting it down which means as a goblin i'm a lone goblin with no clan but I fell in with 
uh, a criminal guild. So I'm part of a criminal guild. So I'm out on a job and I get caught by these drow slavers who were raiding a nearby outpost. Um, so when I get put into jail, the first thing I'm thinking is like, I, I've gone full Mission Impossible at this point because I'm specking into Assassin. And my job in the kit in the guild was as a hitman. So this is not a situation that I am unfamiliar with. So I've gone full mission impossible. I've gotten the other prisoners together and I'm like, hey, we I need to know as much about this place as possible. And I talk like a goblin, so all my words are like disjointed and singular, but they 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 basically were able to understand me, right? So I'm like, I want to know the guard shifts. I want to know where stuff is. Uh, five days, we're just going to observe and be good little slaves and not make any waves. Because before I came up with this plan, my other player, who is not the plan person, decided they were just going to try to break out. And... <sighs> Since he's so physically strong, he just broke his chains, but the guards, of course, heard him do it, and the drow have what's called drow poison, which is basically a knockout. It's like a knockout poison. If you get hit by it, you have to make a constitution saving throw, or you're immediately knocked unconscious. So... He breaks out of his chains, intending to fight his way out. They come in, put a dart into him, and he's just out. And then they just chain him back up with stronger chains. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, well, I'm at a loss. And I'm just like, okay, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> the, uh, the, dwarf, uh, the dwarf is... I don't even know how to dis the, the dwarf is apparently like this bubbly bobble-headed doofus. Like she's a short oh, little pretty redhead, but she is a bubbling ball of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like please tell see, me please tell me this this dwarf's name is Mickey. It is not Mickey. Uh, <laughs> it is uh Elfiel? Like, we thought she was an elf, and then the DM is like, no, 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 it's a dwarf. I was like, oh. Because cause, uh, I was like, because at first we were like, oh, it's an elf, because of the name, the way the name sounds, and the, the DM started describing to us what she looked like, and I was like, that sounds more like a dwarf than an elf, and she was like, oh, oh, no, 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 it, it, is, a, it is a dwarf, it is a dwarf. So we were like, okay. And then the orc is just a dumb brute. Like, the, the dwarf seems to have nothing in her head, and the orc has nothing in his head that is useful. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, and then my other player is doing his best to get himself killed. So I'm like, ah, this is what I got to work with. So I, I, assess, I assess my tools. And the DM is like, well, do you try to talk to him or socialize with him in any way? And I'm like, no, we're slaves in a drow stronghold. I know how bad that situation is. Anyone who had 
anyone who's ever heard of the drow knows how bad of a situation that is. I just want out of here. And the only thing that matters to me is who is willing to work with me and who is not. And whoever is not, I'm going to kill in their sleep. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a goblin. I am, I am not the hero in this campaign. I am like I am borderline the villain and borderline anti-hero. Um, oh, like old man Henderson. Yes. <laughs> More like Deadpool. <laughs> so. Oh no, we're going to RPG. It's old man Henderson. Trust me. <laughs> so, so everyone is on board except the Darrow, who doesn't say that he's against us or anything. He's just kind of by himself, not participating and the dm goes well do you talk to him or anything and i'm like no if he doesn't care then i don't care as long as he doesn't you know sound an alarm or do anything that states that he is specifically trying to get in our way but remember this point for later so i go for five days we're all going to be good little slaves say our yes sir our yes masters and no masters and and as soon as you as soon as i can master and Oh, you want me to jump, Master? Uh, how Do you want me to get you something while I'm up in the air? We're, we're going to do that for five days. Nobody cause a problem. And I look directly at my other player. Nobody cause a problem. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so for five days, we just, uh, we're, we're just observing the routines and the shifts. And we noticed that because the drow are sensitive to sunlight, most of their guard contingency and their raiders are always, uh, in another chamber deeper in the cave so they can stay away from the light because light does come in from the entrance. It doesn't shine down the full corridor of the cavern that we're in, but it's there. So they stay away from that and they only, and they only uh, more guards are around at night when the sun's down and then they're going out on raids. The matron who's overseeing everything only shows up once a day to basically make sure that we're still slaving away as hard as we can. Um, and then she goes off and does her matron business, you know, like politicians do. They just want to make sure everybody's slaving away for them and then they go away and don't bother. So... <clears throat> Uh, and we we dubbed her the queen bitch. <laughs> we were like, oh, so queen bitch came by for a visit. It's like, yeah, we're like, okay, bye, queen bitch. Yeah, okay. So we through our observations, we find out where our gear and our weapons are, and that they haven't been moved. We find out that they're not guarded very well during the day, like the high daylight hours, like near noon. Only one guard is posted near our cell to keep an eye on us, and then they have a two guards that go back and forth patrolling the uh, the cavern, and then they uh, do uh, shift changes. So we re so from observation, we realized okay, we're only going to have one guard on of a go on us if we do this during the day. Um, it takes about 20 minutes to go from one end of the cavern, meaning from the entrance all the way to the back end of the cavern. And then, you know, one trip is about 20 minutes. So the moment they pass our cell, we have about 10, maybe 12 minutes before they get back to the cell. And I'm like, that's when that guard needs to die. But we're going to need a distraction. So 
We also realized that they only change shifts right before dark and right before morning. Okay? So, of course, we decide we're going to break out at noon. Right? So, the dwarf is just nodding her head constantly like a dope. The orc is like, okay, as, as long as we can get out of here. And uh, my player is like, so I can be the distraction. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then the DM once again asks me, hey, do you talk to the Darrow at all? Do, do, you, do you do or say anything? And I'm like, uh, no, not really. But okay, I'll go over and I'll say something to the Darrow. And remember, I, I said, keep the Darrow in mind. I go over, I talk to the Darrow. I'm like, hey, we're trying to get out of here. Do you want to get out of here? And he just nods his head. And I'm like, okay. So what we do is we work on our chains and our cuffs, and we get ourselves slipped out so that quietly, without anyone noticing, but making sure that we keep everything so that we can uh, make sure that we still look like we're locked up when we're in our cell. So, so we do that time comes around for us to get out of here. I start, everyone gets unlocked out, but we hadn't unlocked the Darrow yet, right? I, I completely forgot about him because we, I was getting everything else set up so we could get out of here and not have any casualties. So the DM is like, well, did you unlock the Darrow? And I was like, oh no, I completely forgot about him. So I go over, I unlock the Darrow and she's like, he immediately goes for your throat. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, that's why I asked if you had ever socialized or talked to anybody because the Darrow is a serial killer. Oh, yeah, and he hasn't had his fix in, like, days. Hmm. Oh! <laughs> I'm like, uh, oh! <laughs> and the, my other player character is like, I can, I can kill him. I, can take, I was like, no, no, we will use this. So I, lure, I go, I lure the Darrow to the cell. Because at first I couldn't really uh, I couldn't really figure out a good way to distract the guard to get the guard's attention and get him to come into the cell. So instead, uh, since the Daryl was trying to kill me anyway, I just ran to the cell bars, and then he like grabs me by the my character by the throat, lifts me up, starts trying to strangle me. So I just start hitting the guard on the shoulder like, "Hey, he's trying to kill me!" <laughs> and the guard's like, "Oh fuck." Opens up the cell, comes in, shoots the Darrow, uh, shoots the Darrow with a dart to knock him out. But while that, and as soon as I'm free, I just jump for and latch onto his face and start and like start smothering him in my stomach. And that's when my uh, my Leonine friend comes over, grabs him, and just snaps his neck. <laughs> so one guard down we drag him into the back of the cave and then we look out to see uh what's happening with the uh where the other guard is and so the other guards are coming up because while we were doing that they uh one of the guards uh perception uh rolled their perception check and made it so they they heard something so they turn around the other guard keeps going but they turn around and they start coming back and i'm like crap 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 um and so i'm like grab the guard's body and so we grab the guard's body and we weakened at benny's the guard and we like lead his head we, we like lean an arm out 
and like give the come here a second for the guard. <laughs> like 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 come over here come over and the and the guard uh the dm rolls the guard for like a suspicion check and he fails that shit hard and so he's just like okay and he comes walks into the cell and we jump him the my other pl- my my uh my uh companion my other player the leonine decides because because i was like uh because we were struggling with him and i had Put a. I had wrapped a chain around his neck and started pulling to suffocate him. And the DM was like, "Okay, well, we're gonna have to do a perception check to see if anyone uh, hears you." And I was like, "No. The entire reason I kept going for their mouths was so they couldn't scream or make noise. That's why I wrapped myself around their faces every time." And she's like, "Oh, okay." And I was like, "So we're doing that." And just on a whim, I was like, "Hey." And I, I talked to, to the other player. I'm like, hey, you know lions will actually, like, put a an, uh, a prey animal that they catch. They'll put their whole face in their mouth and suffocate them to death that way. And he was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the thing. So he literally clamps his – he just opens his mouth, clamps it on the front of the uh, – the guard's face to suffocate him to death and he rolls the dm has him roll a strength check and he rolls like a a 19 plus his bonus and just crushes the guard's head in his mouth so he's happy and jumping for joy and as soon as those two guards are down um i had i had uh, we had had to do a roll to see if we could sneak utensils out of the mess hall because as the slaves, we basically did all of the cleanup. Like we cleaned the bathrooms, we mopped the floors, we painted the walls, we hung the lights, changed the light bulbs, like we washed the dishes, like we did everything. <clears throat> so I snuck out a fork that we could use to pick the locks with, and that's how we got out of our our restraints. So, but I had to file it down as soon as those two guards were taken care of because the Darrow, once again, was still on the ground unconscious from an arrow. I took that fork and I shoved it into his carotid artery and killed him instantly. <clears throat> because screw having to deal with that. <laughs> um, so after that was done, we only had the one other guard. And he notices that his partner hasn't come back around. So he's on his way back. So we just let him come up. We, we don't do anything. We just let him come up to the cell. And as soon as he's within range, my, uh, my companion grabs him, pulls him in the cell. We kill him. We, we loot them for everything that we find is useful. And we run all the way down to the hall and get all of our equipment and gear. And the DM is like, do you want to explore anywhere else? And my first response is, fuck no. I want to get the hell out of the drow-infested cavern. (laughs) (laughs) You want to go do something else? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, do you want to cross the, do you want to run across the firing range field? Do you want to do that? No. People are shooting guns there. How about no? (laughs) So... So we start heading for the door, and as we're heading for the door, we've taken so much time that the sun has basically started going down. 
one of the big wig drow comes out of the sleeping quarters because the DM had rolled a had been rolling perception checks to see if anyone noticed what we were doing at any point in time. Hello. Well, he did. He heard something, had a bad feeling, had a nightmare. I don't know, but he comes out and he's uh and like we see him and I'm like, okay, what do I notice about this guy straight off? She's like, and I roll a perception check. I roll high. And she's like, he's a mage. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so Uh-oh. like he, he's obviously decked out in armor. That's better than all the other guards. So he's obviously like a Lieutenant or a superior of some kind. So he's probably going to be a better combatant. Cause if you don't know anything about drow, <clears throat> drow, you uh, fighter mages are what drow can be. Like drow are mostly fighter mages. There are some drow who go specifically into casting spells, but they're the minority. Most drow are physical fighters, and some of the best fighters in the lore. Um, and the matrons are basically just warrior priests. So this dude. Hmm. Priestesses. Uh, priestesses. Um, so this guy being a mage didn't mean he wasn't a good fighter. It just meant, oh, now he can cast fireball? Mm-hmm. Fuck me! <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, we're going to screw that. Well, no. I, what I did was... Um, I I was like, okay, I'm going to try to snipe him because we have the surprise. Everybody get ready to run because we are just going to go to the exit. And I'm, I'm talking to the orc and I'm talking to the Leonine and I'm like, how fast could you guys get that boulder out of the way of the entrance? Because the entrance was obscured by a large boulder that they would move with magic when they were coming in and out. It was a way for them to keep the place basically secret because it would just look like an obscured hole in a mountain, right? Um, and between the Leonine and the Orc, they could probably push the boulder uh, enough to widen up a space so we could all get through uh, in about a couple of seconds, right? But we had to get there first. So I line up a shot trying to just kill this drought if I can. I nat 20 that. I crit him. And the DM is like, you hit him in the eye. And I'm like, woo, he doesn't die. Fuck! (laughs) 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 And at that point, I was just like, run. Just run. (laughs) And and then my, my companion, who I said wasn't the plan person, brings up a very good point. Hey, why didn't you use the drow arrows? And I was because when we looted the guards, they had a bunch of those uh, because the guards all carry hand crossbows with arrows in them with drow poison on them. That's the thing that if you fail your constitution check, just knocks you out. And he points that out. And I'm like, I fucked up. I was like, damn it. I should have done that. I completely fucked up. (laughs) But it was too late at that point. So we're running. And. Once the uh, once the drow 
regain regains his composure, he starts chasing us. And so I'm turning around and I'm like, we, we're doing the dash action. We're just running full tilt, going for the exit. Um, because we don't know who else has been alarmed. We don't know if other guards are coming. And if the rest of the guards come, oh. we're fucked. Oh. This was a cavern of like 30 drow plus the matron mother. If they're alerted, we are done. So we're oh. just hoofing it for this. We're hoofing it for the exit. Mm. And this guy is just like, uh, I forget what he cast first. I don't know if it was, I want to say it might have been Scorching Ray or something like that. But he casts something because by now we're out of range. Because it was a bonus round and I hit him in the eye, he was stunned for like a round or two. So we're out of range of his short crossbows because short crossbows have a very short range before they start taking disadvantage on their uh, rolls. So we're out of range of his cross of his hand crossbow. So he just starts casting magic. Every single one of them hits me. <laughs> Failed every single roll to dodge, take less damage, or no damage. Failed every single one. They all hit me. And so after, like, the third hit, I'm down. I'm zero hit points. Boom. Oh, no, no, no. He, my, my bad. That's not what happened. He hit me with the first two. I the next one would have knocked me unconscious, but he got but because um I stopped to turn around and shoot him again, I had everybody running so that they could get the uh the the stone out of the way, and I was turning around periodically to shoot him. Um and I okay. caught him one more time and he did still didn't go down. Well, he eventually got into range with his hand crossbow, shot me, and I failed my constitution save and was immediately knocked out by the poison. So luckily, though, the dwarf was standing right there. So she just shook me awake because that was one of the conditions of the poison. You could shake a person awake. So she shook me awake. We booked it to the exit. The Leonine and the Orc are there, and they're pushing the rock out of the way. The Leonine fails his first uh, strength check, so it takes us another turn, which allowed the Drow uh, Lieutenant to get close enough that he, uh, because I got outside, the Drow got outside, and I think everyone got outside at the last second except for the Leonine, and that's when the Drow Lieutenant casts uh, Globe of Darkness right on the entrance. So now we're all blind, except for the orc who ran further out than the rest of us. And me and the dwarf were right on the edge of it on the outside of the cave. So we're out in daylight, um, which we're, we're positive the drow will not follow us in, which is probably one of the reasons he cast Globe of Darkness. So he wouldn't be affected by the light coming in through the cave entrance. Um so I remembering where he was as I went out, I just shot through the darkness and I was able to tag him one more time. Um, and this time I used one of the drow arrows, but he made his constant, he made his constitution check. It didn't knock him out immediately. Luckily we were all able to get out. Uh, we were able to get out quickly. So we just, so we're trying to find the nearest city. The dwarf 
knows where the nearest city is. The orc refuses to follow the dwarf. The orc is like, I don't follow dwarves. I don't like dwarves. I'm going to go this way. So I'm like, okay, bye. (laughs) He's like, well, thanks for getting, you know, he's like, thanks for, you know, releasing us and getting us all out. And he goes. And we start asking questions about the dwarf. And we're like, wait, because the dwarf hasn't actually said a word. Like, she hasn't talked. And we're like, okay, what's going on with the dwarf? And it's like, and she's like, like the orc doesn't trust her, doesn't trust us, but the dwarf, because we were doing things in her for her mutual interest and basically protecting her and freeing her, basically bonded to us. So she basically became an NPC party character. And our DM was controlling her. So she leads us to the uh, she leads us to the next town. Now, on the way to the next town, we get jumped by three hyenas. One of them being a dire hyena. We're only level two characters. So, the Leonine runs up front. I'm sniping from the back. And the dwarf is using her bow. And I'm like, wait, what class is she even? Turns out she's a fighter. With no, with a horrible strength stat. And so, but she doesn't have a good deck stat either. So she's missing every shot. And it's like, no, she needs to be up there with a sword and shield, which she has. Um, But we take out the hyenas. The other player is nearly killed in the process. Like, he gets hit really hard like twice but in the middle of this fight um he is able to pull off a uh intimidation check and intimidates the hyena and then looks at the dm and is like i want to tame it and she's like what is like, i want to tame it and make it a pet and and me, my first impulse is like, oh, that would be great because then I can ride the hyena because I'm a small creature. So anything medium or higher, I can ride like a mount. That would be great. And so she's like, okay, rolling it. He's like, I have animal check. I have it. And she's like, all right, roll an animal handling check. And he rolls high enough that he basically tames the damn hyena. <laughs> So now we have a we have a dire hyena as a pet. And then we make our way to the city which is a city of Draugr or of not Draugr but Durger which are deep um deep dwarves evil mostly. Yeah. Yes, evil deep dwarves, an entire city of them. And we're like, okay, we're just going to go in here. We're going to keep our heads down. We're not going to cause any waves. We're going to sell our loot. And um, since I'm part of a criminal guild, basically organization with my background uh, role, I have uh, contacts. And I have contacts in any major city or port. <clears throat> and I asked, is this one of those places? And DM's like, yes, it is. And I'm like, okay, how long will it take for me to contact my contact and for him to get me a map? And a a map of this area and where we can go next. And she's like, a week. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, she's like, yep. And I'm like, fuck. I was like, a week 
in a evil dwarf city and we just murdered like we possibly murdered four drow from a drow raiding party that is seven days away because it took us like a week to get to the city so we better hope that they don't care <laughs> which drow normally don't but drow are kind of like the dwarves in warhammer fantasy they have a book of grudges and they don't forget a grudge like so i was worried that a band of freaking drow within the week is going to just show up out of nowhere looking for us and the Durger aren't going to get in their way or try to stop them they're not that dumb they might just help them to find us for a reward it's like I do not like this I don't like this at all but we don't know the area because when the drow grabbed us they blindfolded us and basically secreted us away to this freaking cave so we have no idea how far we've come where we're at so we're, I'm just like, let's sell off our stuff, keep a low profile, uh, probably will, uh, like, we get a room in, like, the, the jankiest uh, tavern we can find. When we get a room there, we booby-trap the windows, the door, everything. Um, and so we're implying sitting here and we're waiting. Booby-trapped. Implying it's not already booby-trapped. <laughs> Which I've been doing the whole time. I was just checking for booby traps everywhere right, quick um, interruption uh i'm gonna take christy to the er just to to get an x-ray to make sure she hasn't fractured her leg if you guys want to continue <clears throat> go for it well that's fine uh we can go ahead and end the podcast here because that's basically this is basically the end of the story and where we where the DD session stopped is us waiting for my contact to get to us um the only other thing of note that happened is the dm got tired of having to play the dwarf and so she gave the dwarf to me so my leonine player friend has a pet hyena and the dm gave me the npc dwarf as my pet so she randomly generated the dwarf stats and gave me the stat page. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, she sucks at everything and has a negative seven in her intelligence. She's a borderline fucking vegetable. What am I supposed <laughs> to do with this? <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I will make the best of this. And I'm like, DM, listen. She's a fighter. She has a nine in strength and a freaking 10 in dexterity. Let me switch to her. She had one good stat, which was a 15, which gave which gives you a plus two bonus to your skills. It was in her charisma. Now, for anyone who doesn't understand that, charisma is only good for it. The only thing charisma is good for, it, it is good for persuasion, but it's mostly a dump stat unless you are a specific class. Sorcerers are the ones that come to my mind uh, most often because I've played bard, a sorcerer. And paladin. Uh, bard and Paladin, yeah. So if, if it's a class that uses it, charisma is great. But for a fighter, charisma, you, you don't put points in your charisma. And her best score was in Charisma. So I was like, DM, please allow me 
to take to her to switch two of her stats around. And the DM was like, okay, but only one, you can only switch two stats. And I'm like, all right, I'll work with that. We might, and I, I think I also bought her uh, armor and stuff too to boost up her AC. Because when, when we first started, uh, when she was first in combat, she had like an AC of 13. So, <sighs> yeah, right? Because she had no decks. Um, she couldn't hit anything because she didn't have any strength. And she's... <laughs> yeah. So, yes, so I, uh, we we took the money that we that we got from the cavern and all the stuff that we sold and we got her i believe as we got her we had just enough to get her like uh a heavy armor and we got her ac bumped up to 18 so i was like yeah she's going to be our tank and she's also a mountain dwarf too which made that even better so, so more hit points yeah so, and, and that's where we left off. We left off with waiting for my contact and us sitting in an evil dwarf city. So that was my D and D session. <laughs> yes, baby. What's the matter? It's fine right there. There's a dumbass dwarf in the kitchen, Daddy. <laughs> she's got great charisma, but she's used to some right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's pretty to look at. She's completely useless in every other way. <laughs> the beard is flowing. <laughs> the beard is flowing. <laughs> uh, Just give her brewer and say her beer is flowing. Right. Uh, I can't get on women with beards. I remember that episode of Doom Patrol. That was a good one. <laughs> I have not actually seen that. Oh, it, it's it's wonderful. It is. Um, let me put it to you this way. If you're familiar with the comic, be happy with all the weird that's there. If you're not familiar with the comic, boy, are you in for a ride. When the robot man played by Brendan Fraser is possibly the most normal character in the entire series. I like Brendan Fraser. Uh, or I like his work. <laughs> oh, he's great in the show. I'm going to take a moment to use the bathroom. Well, and then I'll come back and just come in on whatever we I start talking about. Well, I think the podcast was going to end there. there. Yeah, because David has oh, to take okay. Christy to the ER for some X-rays, so we should just yeah. And it's a we've been going for about three hours, so I think that's a good place to go ahead and end it for now. Then, since we're not all going to be here anyway. Yep. Okay, I'm game yeah. for that. So, thank you, Evan and Crit, once again for joining us and adding your colorful perspectives to our uh, to our discussions, as you always do. Um, and that's thanks for having us and crit thank you for <laughs> simplifying something i was overcomplicating. not a problem i'm glad i could you know do that it's rare that it happens well i, I can do it with other people's thoughts i can't do it with my own so but either way ah uh, you're an editor uh yeah i have to proofread my own i have to go through like three or four rough drafts before i can get a, a finished product 
but this was fun. Absolutely. And for those who are listening in and joining us again, thank you for listening. Uh, once again, tell your friends, let them know that we're here. If you like our content, spread the word and we will hopefully see you again in the next podcast. Stay safe. Have a good day and have a good week. And take care, Wash everybody. Your damn hands. Wash your damn hands. Keep your hands off me, women. <laughs> All right. I'll see you on Discord. Yep. G. Yep. Later, everybody. Later. Okay.